0: Hello, welcome to the third episode of the podcast, Is This Making Sense? And, well, today's episode will be a little bit more philosophic. And, well, so take your tea, if it's cold, or your, I don't know, water, (laughs) and come with me, because today we're going to talk about something really, something that I really like. Maybe this episode will be a little bit boring. Just kidding. I mean... It will not, <laughs> believe me. I was, it was a nice. I don't know if, if it's making sense. I was thinking lately about how some kind of media and content become part of some moment of our life in a way that it kind of defines uh, this moment. Uh, for example, I clearly remember, clearly I have, I had. I struggle with this word, it's clearly, I clearly remember uh, the time when Disney and Nickelodeon series were present in my daily life, when I was like 12, I guess, yeah, I guess I was 12. And more than watching or listening to those contents, it kind of defined the aesthetics, the feeling, the mood, I mean, everything of this um, era of my life. So, today's episode will be about different kinds of first times with some kind of media or audiovisual content, focusing on Asian media and how, they, and, and how this topic led me to my final paper about K-pop at college. In the end, I will try to show why I believe uh, Asian media have a singular way to connect people with others and, and also with themselves um why this may happen and how this became part of my final project at college so well let's go with let's start with a uh, a timeline the first time uh with is my first time with east asian pop content was in 1989 just kidding it was i was like 11 9 10 i don't know uh, but it was with Japanese animes and mangas and At the time my only two friends <laughs> at school were like gamers otakus The famous stereotype of the nerd the school nerd mostly because of that I started to consume it too and um, well That marked an era of my life this is crazy because my tastes were a little bit different from theirs. I mean, I used to watch and listen to Hannah Montana in secret, but they were really cool and I wanted to feel more like a part of the crew, so I started to consume it, Um, not because I was being forced to, but because I really wanted to... um, I really wanted to. I mean, I just wanted to watch this kind of content and feel more part of the crew. And well, after some years, uh, both, uh, both of these friends of mine had to move to other school, and one of them even to another city, I felt really lonely and most of the people around me didn't like animes, and they even judged it. So. I kinda reduced the consumption of enemies and stuff. And here, here I, I think we have the first point of this episode. Uh, when we consume something to feel part of and to feel connected, and then to connect us with others. Um, and I'm not pointing it out as something bad, okay? I mean, it all depends on the contest you are in you may enjoy something on a social level but not in a deep and personal level and that does not mean you're being fake or you're lying to yourself people are complex i, I love to say this people are complex and until 2019 i was backing and forth with animes and mangas depending on the moment i was like back and forth. I discovered K-pop in 2015, but I didn't pay much attention, to be really honest. I started to um, read some Korean webtoons that a friend recommended, then I stopped. Something, I mean, was nothing really deep or strong enough to create a connection between me and others uh, or between me and the content itself. Uh, In 2019, I was living alone in another city to study, and a friend of mine invited me to go, (laughs) I love this story, to go to a K-pop dance class. And I I was like, you don't even like K-pop. What, why? And he said, it's a free trial that this dance school is giving. Let's let's try just for fun. And I, I did it. I mean, it was a reasonable argument, a, a reasonable point that he had. Um, I thought I was I, I, I thought I thought I was a super specialist in K-pop just because I knew it in 2015 before a lot of people, because it was not trending in 2015, at least here. And uh, I mean, I knew like 10 songs. And arriving at the dance class with those people that that really are huge K-pop stands, I got like, oh, I know nothing <laughs> about it. Uh, well, I, after this free trial, I decided to start this dance class for real. And slowly I started to discover a lot of things, uh, watch K-dramas and from K-dramas to other East Asian contents, so it goes. And that moment defined another era of my life. And um, a lot of things changed. My style changed. I felt deeply connected with, with, with K-pop and these contents those contents, and in the beginning I was alone, because m- my closest friends at the time weren't K-pop or K-drama fans, and I noticed that differently from um, when I was young, this time I was consuming these things because it makes sense for myself, and somehow this, those contents was connecting me with myself, and not with others. At least in the beginning, just after some time, I started to find friends with um, similar tastes. But can you see um, how the path is totally the opposite of the other one I was telling before? I know I told you guys that this podcast would not be academic, but this experience, that first experience that I have back then and, and this that, I, that I, I was starting to have after the dance class uh, showed me today one of the points I've been studying, which is about transmedia storytelling. Trying to explain it fast, uh, basically, uh, transmedia storytelling um, is a story being told across multiple media. Um, I'll I try to give an example. Um, you can start to consume something on YouTube and then you can find out that uh, there's a book that continues that story, and then you find out that there is, uh, I don't know, a podcast that continues this story, and so it goes. Uh, This is a very simple explanation, but this phenomenon is not something specific from Asia. It happens all around the world, mostly because of the internet and the digital era we are living in, but I believe, and, well, pay attention, I particularly believe, based on some things I've been studying, that um, East Asia takes transmitted storytelling to another level for many reasons. And, um, For example, a huge and... How can I explain this? uh i'll give i to give just an example because i will not explain this a lot in this episode because it'll be like a lot of things to to say but some countries of east asia had a huge and early streaming culture and a lot of things that contributes to this um to develop this transmedia experiences in their medias was confused okay let's just go to the next point that makes me me start to to think about that first experience i had with my friends watching animes and stuff and think about it we we uh, when i say we I, i was thinking about me and my friends back then we could watch an anime and read the novel or the manga of the season 2 that hadn't even been released, and then play Japanese video games on the weekend that have an aesthetics that dialogue with the anime. I mean, even if it wasn't a, the story of the same anime on multiple platforms, Japanese pop culture itself can work as a transmedia storytelling because it has a very well-planned and unified identity. Um, I don't know if you guys have already heard about it, but Japan literally uh, has a branding strategy called Cool Japan, which consists of promoting the attractiveness of Japanese culture and pop media to to the rest of the world. And not just Japan, but South Korea also do this pretty well with K-pop. what I'm trying to say is it's easier to dive into something when this thing creates uh, clearly relatable contents across a lot of kinds of media you consuming during your day. It, and it makes it even easier for you to feel connected to it. I mean, laugh, cry, do personal reflections, I mean, your personal emotions, make friends with the same tastes, there are futures in those Asian medias to assure the connection, not just between a single storytelling and a bunch of different types of media, but also between their culture, Korean cultures, etc. Um, BTS, for example, in the BTS universe, uh, they create a lot of bridge, bridges between internal and personal questions and external and cultural questions. Uh, I have a book recommendation that will make everything clearly, clearly, clear. (laughs) That will make everything better. (laughs) Um, Actually, it was a friend of mine that also studies transmitted storytelling in K-pop that recommended this book for me, Mariana. And I really wanted her to be in an episode of this podcast with me someday, I, I will make this happen. Um, this book, the book is called. Let me see, transnational conversions in East Asian pop culture. Transnational conversion, transnet. Oh my God! Transnational conversions of East Asian pop culture. That's it. I will link it in the description of the YouTube video, so if you're listening to it on audio platforms, go to my YouTube channel and you will find it. I'm really sorry if this episode was too confusing. I just blend personal experiences with some research and my final paper. It was a mess. But I hope it made sense for you. Feel free to to comment, your opinions on the YouTube comment section, or even send me a DM on my social media if you have some questions. I will try to make the next episode more soft and specifically about some content. I don't want to give spoilers, but it will be about, I guess at least, it will be about true beauty. I have a lot of things to say about true beauty, it's a K-drama, so you can also help me and give suge- and give me suggestions, please. You can also give me suggestions, I would love. So, well, that's it. See you guys in the next episode. Bye. That was, it was a mess. I don't know if, if it's making sense.